0: excited to, to dig into. Matthew chapter six, verses five through 13. If you have your Bibles today, I'd love for you to break those out. If not, it's on the screen right here. This is gonna be the text that's gonna anchor us and anchor all of our communicators over the course of the series, uh, and we're gonna be digging into it. Matthew chapter six, verses five through 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, whenever you pray. So there's the, the first uh, initiation of the, of the truth that whenever you pray, that we should be praying people. He says, "You must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, everybody, shall when? When you pray, that means we're going to pray. We're going to be praying people. It's a part of our faith. When you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you when you pray." Don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Some of you have heard it as hallowed be your name. Your name be honored, Is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us, that's by the way not Visa or MasterCard, just a heads up, okay? <laughs> and forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from The evil one. Today as we begin our series, Your Kingdom Come, I want to speak to you from the subject, Awkward Conversations. Awkward Conversations as we begin to look at what prayer is and how to develop a strong praying life. And with this being the thing that we're doing, would you pray with me one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We thank you that today you're meeting us right where we are at. That today, in your name, we are overcomers not through our perfection and not through our own abilities, but rather through the grace and the strength that you supply us with. And so right now I pray in this moment that you would speak to us, all of us today, in the house and online. God, I pray that your presence would be tangible, that in your spirit, we would be made new, that we would take off the old and put on the new in this moment in Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, Amen. Show of hands, how many of you have had an awkward conversation before? Awkward conversation before? All of us have. Come on, ladies, how many of you have had an awkward conversation with a dude before? Come on. That's just, guys, how many of you have had an awkward conversation with a girl before? There's less because dudes are just pumped that you're talking to them. So let's be very honest about that. Awkward conversations that happen. I remember a little while ago, um, it wasn't recently, but a little while ago, we had the conversation that many parents have, not the full conversation, because I ran from it, Um, but uh, the conversation that I was having with my daughter was uh, created with a question, and the question was this, Dad, Mom, where do babies come from? And in that moment, I was like, Talk to your mom, like I'm out. I'm not gonna do this right now, right? It was this awkward conversation that I didn't know how to have in this in this moment, and I was struggling because of the awkwardness of it. I haven't, as a parent, I'm geeked up about all the other things I get to do as a as a dad, but that was like the one thing I I quiet I wasn't ready for. Yeah, I wasn't ready to try to explain this, and so we're like, well, you just appear. Right, And you don't want to like go into all the details yet Because you're trying to work out in your mind Whether they're ready to handle the, the concept and, and all the things It was an awkward conversation And, and at the end of the day We're going to have awkward conversations in life Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I've had awkward conversations with my wife before Many times Just yesterday Come on, married people How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's awkward conversations that take place in in marriage, The first year of our marriage was chock full of awkward conversations, things we didn't like about each other that we're now finding out because we're living together now, things that she did weird and things that I did weird, things that we weren't comfortable with, things that we were comfortable with, things that she was comfortable talking about that I wasn't comfortable talking about, things that I wasn't comfortable with because of my background and things that she was super comfortable with because of her background, awkward conversation over and over Come to better terms with Jesus. It's part of the journey. So prayer is not this irrelevant thing that we participate in. It's not this religious thing that we participate in. It's a conversation with a real God who wants to really know you at a real foundational place in your life. And so we've got to figure this prayer thing out. We all come to the table with different ideas and concepts as to what prayer is, how it works, how it doesn't work. How our faith or lack of faith in it plays a part? Does God really hear me? Come on, can we be honest in church today? Does God really answer prayer? Does prayer work? Why pray if God already knows what I'm thinking? All right? Why pray if he knows what I'm desiring and ultimately needing? All of these questions and many more make up the landscape that we must navigate as we deal with the issue of prayer in our lives. And over the course of this series, we wanna deal with prayer at a level that that maybe many of us have not dealt with before. And I pray this over these next few weeks that you're gonna be equipped, that all of us are gonna be equipped in a better way to handle this aspect of our faith. Pray. You'll move away from having to do Shakespearean prayer and just approach God as the Father who loves you. And in that, we see miracles. And in that, we see growth. And in that we see faith rise. We want to demystify prayer while at the same time not stripping it of its component of faith and supernatural truth in our lives. The supernatural does not have to be spooky. For many of us, we can approach prayer like some sort of Harry Potter incantation. Right? But that's not what it is. So we want to demystify it for us, but at the same time not strip it of its supernatural truth in our lives. Here's the the thing I want us to hear. There is a fine line between, between creating practical handles concerning prayer and stripping it of its power by trying to place it in a box that we can rationalize and quantify. Did you hear that today? For some of us, we approach prayer and we're scared of it because we think it's this mystical unicorn type of thing. When it's not, but at the same time, if we bring too many practical realities to it, we, we run the risk of trying to strip it of its supernatural truth in our lives. So it becomes this benign thing in our relationship with God and never the power source that it actually is in connection with God. Come on, everybody shout prayer. As well, we want to personalize prayer by showing its application in and through the vast seasonal landscape of our lives. Because here's the truth. Come on. Just, like, work with me on this. And how many of you know our praying goes down when everything is great? Right? And then you enter into 2020. Y'all have been praying a lot. Right? 2019? Ah, not so much. 2020, everybody's on their knees. They're like, oh, Jesus! Right? I need us to understand that prayer is not this magical incantation that we recite and then God does for us what we want and desire. Rather, prayer is a deep, committed, intimate, growing, and personal part of our relationship with Jesus. As the great author C.S. Lewis would say, he goes, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me that's good stuff right there c.s lewis is the boss so it's in this vein that we need to look at what jesus says about prayer and what would be one of his most specific addresses of the topic found in matthew chapter 6 5 through 13 now a little context Jesus addresses a crowd of people in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, like one of his most baller sermons, okay? And this particular sermon is seen as heavy instruction for Christian life, faith, and practice. It's in this sermon that Jesus really lays out many nuances and idiosyncrasies of what have become known as the way, later to be known as Christianity. So the Sermon on the Mount has all kinds of important things for us to realize. Inherent in this sermon, Jesus would address love for our enemies, faith, fasting, taking care of the poor, serving the condition of our hearts, as well as bringing great clarity to the makeup and character of a Christ follower. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And inherent in this sermon, he would declare kingdom advancement. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. So this is the backdrop of some of the points that he makes about prayer, and what I want to do for the remainder of our time together today is I want to take a look at what Jesus submits to us concerning prayer, and more specifically, what prayer is at a base level. Okay? Everybody say, base level? Base level. Base level. That means we're, we're working a foundation right now. For some of us, this is not going to be new. For some of us, we're like, okay, I got that base level, but I want, I want it to be a refresher. But for other, others of us today, you've actually never prayed. You've been scared about it, timid in it, don't understand it, and we're going to create a base level. I'm going to help all of us today. My goal is to help us today go, okay, I can stand on that base and then start building. Does that work for all of us? Oh, let's try that again. Does that work for all of us today? Yeah. Come on, online, does that work for you today? Yeah. Let me know where you're coming from online today. Come on, we've got our digital lobby happening out there, people chiming in. Here's the first truth about that Jesus teaches us about prayer. First thing is this, is prayer is a secret discipline before it's a public ministry. Prayer is a secret discipline before it's a public ministry. Watch what he says. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Watch what he says. Seen by people. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your father. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Author John Nolan writes concerning prayer, Prayer is not to be used to build a reputation for piety, but solely for engagement with God. In other words, prayer is a secret discipline before it's a public ministry. Here's what I want us to grab a hold of today. The problem that we tend to face in our humanity is that much of our spirituality is practiced in order to receive something from man rather than to give something to God. So for many of us, we actually get more comfortable praying out loud because we get a quick hit of reward. Oh, he's so spiritual. Oh, she's so spiritual, right? And we pray words that sound very Christianese, right? And nobody understands what you're talking about. Like I've I've literally had my child before I've prayed and I've said things that I knew he wouldn't understand. I prayed and he's like, dad, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, oh, I'm realizing that many times I can fall into the trap of Christianese behavior rather than how I would talk to my father. One of the best prayers, help. Here's another prayer, get him, God. No, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Just playing, don't do that, don't do that. It's in the Bible, but don't do it, don't do it. See, here's the truth, a lot of what we read in the Bible is dealing more with the motive than it's dealing with the method. Can I tell you that your method of prayer doesn't win God over on you? It's the motive of your prayer. Is it a secret discipline? Is it this place that I'm, that I'm at? Like, do I go to God? I'm praying so much more than what is actually seen, right? Actually, if you were to pull up next to me in my car, you might think I'm a crazy person because that's where I'm doing most of my prayer. In the shower, on the toilet, I gotta pray just to make it today, pray. (laughs) Is Jesus saying, here's the question, is Jesus saying that we shouldn't pray in public? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that our desire to pray should not be led by a desire to be publicly seen. It's the motivating energy behind our prayers. What is the motivating energy behind our prayers? Relationship or reputation? Am I engaging in this because I want people to think that I have a deep relationship with God, rather than I'm praying because I actually do have a deep relationship with God? That I'm actually developing something in my life. Here's a better way to say it. Do we pray to be heard by men or known by God? Maybe there's another, that's probably a better way. Do I pray to be heard by men or known by God? By God. And John Nolan sums this truth for us once again as he writes The challenge is to take the purity of motivation, which by definition must characterize totally private engagement with God, out into the complexities of normal life where others see what we do. In other words, we have to learn how to maintain pure motives in this area of our faith as our lives are displayed before others. We were not called to be these hyper-spiritual, arrogant people where people can't think they have access to Jesus because we got it all together. Actually, rather, we're supposed to be humble servants that in our prayers, in secret, people think, wait a second, I can have access to that same God. If he can work with him, he can work with me. So prayer, the first truth that we have to understand is that prayer is a private discipline before it's a public ministry. Number two, here's the second thing. Prayer is a sincere trust instead of a rehearsed system. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 8. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine. That word babble, if if you dig into it a little bit more, it helps us understand this idea of like chaotic thoughts, big words, random sentences. Like That's literally what he's saying. Don't babble on and on and on. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words, ever shout many. many. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things that you need before you ask. I want, I want to read a long quote to you in his book, *The Necessity of Prayer*. Ian e. Bounds writes this: In any study of the principles, is this helping anybody today? In the study of principles and procedure of prayer, of its activities and enterprises, first place must of necessity be given to faith. Ever shout faith, faith. faith. It is the initial quality in the heart of any man or woman who essays to talk to the unseen. He must, out of sheer helplessness, stretch forth hands of faith. He must believe where he cannot prove. And the ultimate issue, prayer, is simply faith. Claiming its natural yet marvelous prerogatives, faith taking possession of its illimitable inheritance. True godliness is just as true, steady, and persevering in the realm of faith as it is in the province of prayer. This is what he says. This is the most important part of this statement. Moreover, when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. In other words, prayer is not this Rehearsed system of words and, and methodology, it is a sincere trust. And when I have faith for something, when my faith is growing, all of a sudden it should enable me simply just to cry out to God. Because when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. I have to, how many of you know, I have to exercise faith. Come on, online. I have to exercise faith to lift up words to Jesus. Why? Because right now I can't see him. Right now I can't touch him. And for many of us, we struggle whether we're hearing him or not. But we gotta understand that there is a God in heaven who is very much real now as when the word became flesh. So I'm not giving my faith to a dead, irrelevant God. I am lifting my faith to a God who is alive and real right now. In other words, prayer is the exercising of our faith. It's a sincere trust in God instead of a rehearsed system of religion. Everybody shout faith. faith. Come on, we shout faith. 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 So when we pray, we're not just giving words. We're not just cycling this rehearsed system. We're exercising faith, which brings me to something I want to talk to us about today as a church, and if you're a guest with us, you might not have been around, whether online or in the house today, during this journey, but for the past three years, we have been exercising our faith in something. Many many of you know, three years ago, we announced our desire to, to really start bringing impact in the world of faith human trafficking, specifically uh, women being trafficked for sex. And it's been a long journey over these past three years, one that many of you have given towards. We get questions all the time, where's Redemption House at, and, there's, and, and, and where, where are things going, and, and what's happening, and we put this vision out a long, long time ago. And how many of you know when you put a vision out, it gets kind of scary, because you're like, well, what's going to happen with this thing? So you toss it out there, people have given to it, they've exercised their faith. Many of us in this room have given to make this happen in and through our motion offering and different things like that. Well, I want to talk to you today about some details that by way of faith we're starting to see come to fruition. Um, officially, this next week, Redemption House will be open. Okay? Here's the reason why. Last week through a series of only God ordained moments and orchestration, we got a phone call, a really important phone call, and I can't go into all the details due to the nature of everything, but of a rescue that had just taken place. And so not only is Redemption House opening next week, Redemption House will be housing our first set of girls who have just been rescued. Come on somebody. Come on somebody, got to have some faith. You got to put some faith out there. You got to lift up prayers. And it may not be redemption house. It may be the marriage. It may be the healing. But we got to put some faith. It's not just a prayer. It's our faith. Come on. You got some faith today. Let it go up. Let it go up. We can rehearse a system of religiosity all we want. We can say beautiful prayers over our centerpieces and turkeys, and we can have prayers in the hallways and in the, in the byways and in our cars and all those places. But if it's just a rehearsed system of my religion, it's dead. But when it's faith, when it's passion, when it's God, you need to do this because I can't, we can't, it's not going to happen without you. That's where the faith meets a faithful God. It's faith. It's the exercising of faith. The truth is that faith believes that God answers prayers. So I pray. Now, some of you right now be like, oh snap, what do we do now? We need your help. It's going to take faith. Um, right now, these girls are going to be showing up on Wednesday. Praise the Lord. Can I just say this? I'm going to take a little bit more time. I, I got I to rush, but I don't want to. Um, oh, good night. I got eight more points to go. I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. Um, there's very practical needs to get done. Can I just tell you that the church did not shut down during COVID? I just need us to reconcile this really quick. Because this moment right here, these women coming in to be a part of the church, it's because the church was still very much alive. We may not have been having live services, but God's still doing what God does. God is still rescuing. God is still bringing hope. I just need us to understand that that there's been work in the background, right? in the background, and that's all it's like, hi, miracle, right? Like that is what's been happening. So first and foremost, to those of you who have given over the past few years, especially in motion offerings, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. It is your giving that has made this possible. Secondarily, um, these women are each coming with one suitcase. That's it. And so we need all the things to fill all the spaces in the house. We need non-perishable foods, things to stock the pantry. But because of the rust nature of it, because of everything that's going on right now, uh, the best way that you could do this, if you're like, man, I would love to be able to help out with this, is simply email us a gift card. If you just email us a gift card, if you're like, how can I help right now? We're going to have all kinds of other tangible ways to help as this roll out, but we just need to make sure that they are welcomed home. I love that sign, welcome home. We need to make sure that they are welcomed home when they step foot into Redemption House this next week. Right with all the things that they need. So grocery cards, clothing cards, Amazon, Target, anything like that, as well as Uber gift cards. If you can do any of that, we would love for you to participate. You can email Seth at the well, SLC.com. Seth at the well, If you'd like to participate in anything is great. If it's $5, do not think to yourself that that's not enough. Jesus takes $5 and he makes it go a million miles, all right? Come on, somebody. Anybody have some faith up in this house today? Here's the third thing prayer is a sacred invitation, not a selfish reception. Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 10. Therefore, you should pray like this Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Watch what he says Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The Bible exposition commentary helps us out with this verse when it says this The purpose of prayer is to glorify God's name and to ask for help to accomplish His will on earth. This prayer begins with God's interests, not ours. God's name, not ours. God's kingdom, not ours. God's will, not ours. Robert Law has said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. We have no right to ask God for anything that will dishonor his name, delay his kingdom, or disturb his will on earth. But can we be really honest? Can I challenge you as your pastor today? How many times do we pray and the lead part of that prayer is, God, can you hook me up? And I'm not saying that a new job or a new this or that person or this thing is not a part of God's will. But when was the last time we really sat down and said, God, your will be done on earth. Not my will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the type of prayer that shakes foundations, that changes nations and cities and the world. Your will be done. We're going to talk about this a little bit deeper so I'm not going to go into a bunch of this one for this point because I'm going to talk about this whole idea of kingdom and what this, what this looks like but prayer is a sacred invitation not a selfish reception. I've said this before God is not a vending machine where we toss quarter sized prayers into the air hoping he gives us what we want. It's a relational transaction in which we submit ourselves to him and say listen your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Number four Prayer is a simple request, not a complicated desire. Watch what, watch what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our what? Daily bread. Come on, have daily. Remember we shout daily? daily? Our daily bread. Is it possible that we forget to ask God for our daily needs because we believe that he actually doesn't want to supply them? Or even stronger, we actually believe that we don't need him to supply them. See, Jesus, Jesus instructs us to pray in a simplified manner, not just in an emergency situation. But how many of us have used prayer in an SOS situation? Right? You're like, oh, snap, my world's burning. Time to start praying. It's like the last course of action in my life. What happens if prayer was the first course of action in our life? What happens if we just reoriented things and said, give us today our daily, come on, we shout daily? My daily breath. I need daily life today. I need daily hope today. God, I need you to daily show up. Everything that I have is from you. Give us today, daily, this moment, right now, what I need for today. I am not worried about tomorrow. This is just but a vapor. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? So God, use me today. Do what you will today. Give me what I need today. daily, daily. 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 Praying a simplified man is this helping it become a little bit more simplified, a little bit more practical? So sometimes it's just simply going, like, today, God, I need joy, I gotta hang out with my extended family today. <laughs> Lord, bless them, give me an extra portion of that joy, joy, <laughs> that joy with some stank on it. Like, I need joy right now. Give me today hope that I might be a hope bearer to others. Daily. Like when was the last time you brought out Grandma Sycamore's white bread? Come on, how many of you know that's where the glory's at? <laughs> and you pulled it out of your cupboard and as you're walking to toast it or do whatever, you're just like, thank you for my daily bread. <laughs> this food that will sustain me Today. Come on, somebody. It's like the simple things. My wife just went to Costco the other day, brought home just a a load of food. And and how easy it is for our kids and ourselves to just like get into it and start rummaging through it. And we don't even really realize that I haven't even stopped to say, God, thank you today for this daily sustenance. Because there are people in the world that do not have this. That daily bread, the ask for daily bread is legit that daily bread. I hope I get some daily bread. Don't we have a good in America? We have all the things that we need in America. What if we just step back for a moment and said, wait a second, daily bread. I'm thinking about these women that are coming to Redemption House and what they have been rescued from. Give us today my daily bread. God, I thank you today that there is Costco, that I can get myself some extra-sized salsa in the house. Like, thank you for that. Because many people have way less. But the request, this daily bread idea, shows us another interaction, which is prayer is daily. See, in order to ask for daily bread, you have to go to your father daily. Let me illustrate it this way. I talk daily with my wife. Come on, married couples. (laughs) You're staying quiet right now. (laughs) Just look forward, Susie. Just look forward. (laughs) Don't tell him. I interact daily with her. Our lives consist of daily moments, daily interactions, daily touches. That was a weird touch that I just showed. them. But it happens. We got kids, y'all. There's a reason for that. Let me say it this way. The truth is that intimacy is the product of small daily interactions, not single moments of grand romance. I'm going to say that one more time. Intimacy is the product of daily interactions that are small, not grand moments of romance. How many of you know, but that's how we approach God many times? We have this big romantic feel-good moment. So, oh God, feel you everywhere, right? And We play the song that has a sloppy wet kiss in it, and, <laughs> right? Like all these, like all these, like we want grand, 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 and then we struggle in our faith with God when all of a sudden our relationship needs to become daily moments of small interactions because it's not romantic anymore. The most romantic thing is when my wife in the kitchen and we're food prepping, getting the kids ready for the week, she comes by and she touches the back of my leg. Or I walk over to her and I say, you just look look awesome today. Or hey, you did this so great today, I saw that, I saw you. Interaction, interaction, interaction. Or when we talk on the, the couch about nonsense, or when she's watching a show last night before we go to bed where she's just laughing and I can look at her without even saying anything and just be like, man, she is beautiful. Interactions, small moments, breed great romance. And as it is naturally, it is supernaturally. And I think the problem is is that many of us, once again, treat God as a genie in a bottle rather than the friend or the God or the Father that He is in our lives. It's daily interaction points. God, today I'm angry just so you know. And he's like, I know. He's you're like, well, why do I pray if he already knows? Because it's your acknowledgement to him that he hears you. God, just so you know, I'm angry. He's like, I got you. I know you're angry. Here's a little extra portion of some grace today, because you're going to need it. And so are the people around you. Because you a hot mess. <laughs> number five, number five. Last one is this, as the team comes. I love this one. Prayer is a submitted heart, not a prideful position. Prayer is a submitted heart, not a prideful position. Matthew chapter 6, 12 through 13. Watch what he says. And forgive us of our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, at this moment in my prayer life, I am submitted to God. And one of the greatest acts of submission that we will find ourselves in is when we are bringing humble hearts and forgiveness towards others. That's what he's saying. Forgive us of our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Because we cannot hold the pride of unforgiveness before a holy God. See, we don't like this part. We're good with all the other parts. But it's hard for me to be in an argument with my wife where we've had a heated exchange and then show up to church and try to worship, to put on my my plastic Christian worship style. So I've got to lean over to her or I've got to pull her into my office. I've got to say, baby, if I'm going to worship Jesus right now, and if we're going to worship Jesus right now, I've got to let go of some stuff because that stuff is going to block the interaction that I need with him because what he's saying is I need you to submit some things. And the only way that we're going to be able to be in this relationship, this dynamic that we have going on, is you've got to come to me in this place, not in your perfection, in your submission. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be submitted.